It was two weeks ago, we talked about the division of the Gospel of Luke into four parts, and how we're in this section now that some of the scholars I really appreciate call the Death March to Jerusalem. And the way that that section kicks off is in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, which I want to read for you right now. It says this, When the days drew near for Jesus to be received up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And it's an interesting thing, and when you think about this, his fa- he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. It's in Jerusalem that we know he's going to lay down his life and die on the cross, and then be raised from the dead. But it's interesting how it gets kicked off with when the days had arrived for him to be received up, you know, which was a reference to the ascension, when our Lord ascends into heaven. And I was so happy this morning, Flora and I are very often just on the same page without even talking about it, that opening hymn about, you know, when the cloud received him, when the 40 days were o'er. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that our Lord has come to us, he's in the midst of things with us, and as he ascends into heaven, he remains with us as well. Like I said, we're still in this death march to Jerusalem part. We're only a couple chapters later here where we get a whole lot of warnings. And I'll tell you, you know, (laughs) the church is so good in so many ways. It's the Eucharistic Congress weekend. You know, my brother priests and I probably all sound about the same because it's a very full day yesterday and we come back for some preaching. In fact, I was talking to Abbot Placid yesterday who's going to be covering a parish and just found out that he is because the priest is sick. And he said, I haven't gotten a chance to prepare at all. What are the readings? Are they easy? No, not at all. Like, there's so much going on. There's so long. There's so many different ways you can go. And, you know, as you look at this and what our Lord is saying, and the reason why I wanted to begin this morning with a reference to the ascension is because of the fact, like, our Lord is telling us to be ready, to be vigilant, right? And there's vigilance all over the place, from the book of, of wisdom and then the reflection I'm just going to say from St. Paul in the letter to the Hebrews, there's a debate about whether or not he wrote it. Let's just say that he did, because I think that he did. You know, about the fact that faith is the realization of what is hoped for, an evidence of things not seen. And then our Lord basically telling us, like, he is coming back. Be ready, right? But we don't live our lives in such a way that we're, like, cowering in fear. But we also have to make sure that we know that he is coming back that we're ready for him at any moment. And how do we do that? And also, how do we sort of like reconcile that with what we're going to say in a few minutes, for example, after the Our Father, that we're waiting for him to come back in joyful hope. And there's the question, are we waiting for him in joyful hope? You know, like if today was the last day of your life, if Jesus shows up, are you joyful about it? Are you happy to receive him? And I start with the ascension because of this fact. We know that Christ has come. I mean, the very fact that he's the one giving us all of this talk this morning in the gospel. It's a long gospel. Like, we're getting his long speech about, beginning with, do not be afraid any longer, little flock. Oh, I feel comforted. And then you're going to receive a severe beating. You know, it's like, whoa, like, how do we hold these two together? Well, he's come. He's shown us how to live. He gives us the example of setting his own face towards Jerusalem. And it's interesting, yesterday was the uh, Feast of the Transfiguration. And it's in the Gospel of Luke that when Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus, they discuss with him his exodus. 
And it's interesting because in the first reading, it's talking about the exodus. The people were vigilant. They were prepared. They were getting out from underneath Pharaoh. And basically, it's like the kingdom of the world and the evil that's there. Think about the way that Pharaoh wanted to handle the Israelites. We're going to kill all of their male children, right? We're going to kill them all. Like, it's the culture of death. They want to take them down in that kind of way of abusing power, of, you know, subjecting them to cruel slavery. Our Lord is saying, be prepared. And what does he do? Leads them out from the clutches of Pharaoh, right? And it's an interesting thing. It's one of those kind of dark passages in the Old Testament, right, where, you know, as they're leaving, you know, all of the firstborn children of the, of the Egyptians are being killed. It's like, oh, why is God so harsh? Well, the fact of the matter is, God is a lot less harsh than Pharaoh, They wanted to kill all of the Israelite children. God is just saying, like, there's no inheritance with that. You lose your firstborn. When you live in a way of just taking other people out like that, it comes back. You know, it's like the the roosters come home to roost, right? I'm not good at illusions this morning. I'm tired. But, you know, like, when you think about it, like, that's the way that Pharaoh and the Egyptians deal with each other, and that's the way that it ends up. Our Lord does not want us to live that way. He wants us to be vigilant and to do as he's told us to do. Why? Because he's a taskmaster and he's harsh? No, because he wants us to be free. He wants us to live in this world as though things that are around us are passing, right? The problem with the servants that are like, ah, my master is delayed in coming. What do they start doing? They start beating the men servants and the maid servants and eating and drinking and getting drunk. What's the problem with that? It's the misuse of the gifts that we've been given. Of course God wants us to eat. He wants us to drink. I mean, for goodness sake, when you think about the Eucharist itself, bread and wine, I mean, being sustained, giving joy to men's hearts, as it says in the Psalms. I mean, his first miracle, the wedding feast of Cana, makes 180 gallons of the greatest wine anyone's ever had, right? So how does he want us to respond? We're not drinking too much of it, right? You don't want to get drunk, but to thank God for the gifts that he's given us and to be vigilant and recognize the facts that he has gone up to heaven, right? He's ascended into heaven, but it's not as though he deserted us. In Acts of the Apostles, when he ascends, he says, remember, behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. And so the beautiful thing for us is, is that he has come to us. He is going to come again. The second coming is going to happen. Now, it can happen for us individually today, right? I'll tell you, this morning I was driving back from Charlotte, some of the worst fog I've seen in a long time, right? It just, but it kept going. You know, you never know when the end is coming. But I have faith in our Lord, and I'll tell you this too, when you think about faith, I also clearly have faith in the good folks at the Mazda Motor Company and also in the North Carolina Department of Transportation because I couldn't see that far ahead. But I trusted that, that 85 was gonna be okay. I had a little less faith, some faith in my fellow drivers just because 85 is like a freeway. I think it's funny, it's like the motor speedway just kind of moves over to 85 and I just sort of truck along, right? But here's all the fog. I had to have faith that things were done correctly, that the car is gonna run right, and I just keep taking the next step, the next you know, turn of the wheel, not knowing exactly what's next, but knowing that I've always been able to trust Mazda and NC Dot in the past, I'm gonna keep going now. Even more so, we can trust God, right? It doesn't mean blindly just, ah, I'm just going to throw myself off a cliff. No, God doesn't ask us to do things and just divorce our reason. 
But he does ask us to trust him, to have faith, to be like Abraham. Yeah, we don't know everything that's coming, every way he's going to put it out ahead of us. But he asks us to trust him, and we know that he's trustworthy. When we follow him in what he asks us to do, when we are those good servants who are prepared, right? When we live our lives in the way he's asked us to, in our vocations, realizing that he gives us everything that we need. He has come, he's coming again, but he's also here right now. And just like, I mean, I can't help but when we have these readings about vigilance, thinking about like the stereotypical high school or party when the parents are out of town, right? You know, and it's like there were so many movies in my childhood that were based on this, and the parents come home, and the house is an absolute wreck. I hope no one has ever actually experienced that, because I can't imagine that that would be good, right? But that's not a good way to live a life. Like, can you imagine the fear of, oh my gosh, mom and dad are coming home, and there's a goat in their bedroom, you know? It's like, ah! Like, okay, we don't want to live that way, right? And the devil tries to convince us, oh, bringing a goat in and all of your high school friends, I mean, this will make life better. It doesn't, right? Knowing that when we're prepared, and let's just say mom and dad are away, keep calling them, keep talking to them. What do you want me to do at the house? How do I make sure that things are in good shape? How do I have it ready for you to come back? And when life is like that, hey, it's a peaceful time. When they come back, everybody's happy. Even more so in our day-to-day lives. I know I'm all over the place this morning, and I apologize for it. However, vigilance makes a whole lot of sense. To recognize the fact that he's not just a taskmaster, right? He wants us to live in the way that he's asked us to. To be ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. And how do we do that? By staying close to him all the time. He's given us everything we need. Come to Mass on Sunday, just like we're doing right now. You know, we, we begin with the penitential right. Why? Here's the ways I've fallen off. Here's the ways I've fallen short. Some ways I didn't quite trust you, and I'm sorry for that. We're reconciled. And what does he do? Tells us what he wants us to do. Gives us himself to give us the strength to do it every day. And quite frankly, with that, that is the gift of faith, which is our diocese is celebrating right now, is more precious than gold. Why? Because ultimately to be in a loving relationship with him, who wants to be in a loving relationship with us, to be with him all the time, to be ready to open immediately when he comes, that's better than any gold. That's better than any other gift that will pass away because ultimately what he wants for us is to live in such a way now as we'll live with him forever and eternity. But he trusts us enough. He wants us to be like those high schoolers at home, kids, I want to trust you. I want to give you this responsibility. I want you to treat your fellow men servants and maid servants well. I want to see that I can give you these gifts and you're not going to abuse them, that you're going to use them in the right way, that you're not going to become another Pharaoh who just treats everybody terribly and ultimately moves into the culture of death. No, he has come to give us life and he helps to sustain that every single day in the sacraments. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we really have been given a gift that is more precious than gold, one that lasts forever. And our Lord wants to draw us into that more and more. Let's pray for that grace to be vigilant, not because we're afraid of him, but because we're afraid of falling out of relationship with him. To recognize the fact that by living in that way, to be ready to open immediately when he comes, is to begin to experience heaven even here and now. 
He didn't just come to give that to us 2,000 years ago, but he comes to give us that love, that faith, that peace, even right now at this very Mass. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.